It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hallo und willkommen zu die Golazzo Podcast, die Liga MXs Podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host today, Manuel Weff, because Bryce couldn't make it. Yes, that's right. Bryce is out and about, better things to do, London nightlife and all that. But that's okay. That's okay. Because, you know, Ollie is here. Hey, Ollie, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much. It's good to be back again. I think it's probably the first time I've been on back to back podcasts and with the gear coming up as well it's like the perfect time yeah i'm excited to have you because otherwise i would have been sitting here for the next 60 minutes talking to myself and <laughs> I, don't, i don't think anyone wants to have that surely not <laughs> but you know tell me tell me ollie um you're in london you're not busy on a monday night what's happening there uh not a lot is happening there in london i guess bryce clearly thought that not doing the pod tonight was maybe it wasn't his cup of tea tonight but clearly i think he's 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 made he's made the wrong choice, I think, tonight. Yeah, I I would definitely say so because we we're finally here. You know, we're finally match day seventeen is done and dusted. Um I guess we have to throw in there that we had that makeup match as well, but we'll get to that in, in due time because um we're basically finally at the Liguela. We're finally at the playoffs. We are, you know, the The candy store equivalent to Mexican football, and <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for this because uh, I, I love that you know the elimination, the excitement, and they do it just before Christmas time, and it's kind of like you know I'm back in Germany right now, and it's all about the Christmas markets there. But I feel like in Mexico the Christmas markets are all the soccer stadiums, so that's that's just so cool. <laughs> But um, that makeup game, Ollie, we were sort of thinking that Monterrey. Would steamroll Santos Laguna do? It was match day 10 that they had to make up, right? Mm-hmm, it was, yes. yes. I think it was postponed due to like bad weather. Yes. And then uh, we thought, you know, they would basically win that game and secure first spot. But they didn't, which, is, didn't know. which was great for this match day. Yeah. I mean, Santos Laguna put up quite a good performance. Yeah. Even I think they, they were down to 10 men with about half an hour to go and still able to hang on for a point in which. They had absolutely nothing to play for. So I think fair play to Santos Laguna for making the uh, Clasico Reggio even bigger than what it already got, than what it was already going to be. Well, we, you know, we, we were sort of hoping and praying about we were, this, yeah. right? Because we were saying, oh, wouldn't it be awesome? Because the way Tigers have been playing and the build up to this match day 17, they have been so good the last few weeks, basically making up points. It's kind of like, rolling up the table from behind really right because they had such a mediocre start really to the season and all of a sudden they were sitting in second spot and yes there was that makeup game but they were they were only two points behind monterey with one game to go and then monterey monterey oh sorry one point behind right and then monterey dropped two points yes yeah to set up this final so we got the derby one of the biggest derbies in mexican football and we actually have a final for first place and you know remember when we when we had chatted last on this podcast before the international break i was saying that i was a bit worried about monterey because monterey i had the sense that they were getting complacent and maybe this is exactly the match that they needed because they went into this game and i thought they won it convincingly they did yeah i mean i think that's I think it's what you said. I think they they were a bit being a bit complacent, and this was their. I think I mentioned this last week. This was their chance to put down a real marker, going to Ligia, secure first spot, and do it over probably their biggest rivals, and what are going to be their biggest rivals for the uh, Apertura title as well. I mean, it's slightly aided by the fact that Tigre didn't really turn up. It was a very disappointing performance from then, and you think surely Ferretti 
going into the Ligia now is going to really ha- like hammer it home that we're going to have to perform miles better than this if we're going to get win the title. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, um, I'm looking at the the lineup right now. I always love doing this um, post game and just look at the stats and the information on, on this game. And you know, Tigers is such a such a weird top heavy side in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. what did you make of the the formation? The the it was it was more or less a four two three one, right? And effectively, yeah, effectively, but. Gignac playing as a number 10. What did you make of that? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting him sort of like he's sort of just playing off Valencia and I'm not really sure how it works because Gignac's been used in some odd positions this season. Like the, for prior to this game, he was being used at like left wing a lot and he was actually sort of growing into that role a bit. But I don't know, playing off the striker, it just doesn't suit him, I don't think. He's sort of, he's much better, he's such a big physical player. He's much better like playing off a striker or playing with Valencia. I think Valencia's quite quick quick and nimble, good, good with the ball at his feet. Obviously, Gignac is as well, but he's got that power. And it just it seems to just the game drifted by him, really. He, I can't remember. I think he had one mm. decent header in the first half. But apart from that, he was very quiet. And to be honest, the whole Tiger team was as well. It was also interesting the way they lined up as well. They basically they lined up with uh, Luis Rodriguez in midfield. And he's basically mm. their, he's their, he's their normal right back. Because they because Peretti rested uh, Duenas. Because I think he was on... He's on four yellow cards for the season, so one more, and he'd be suspended for the Legia. Uh, the so they went with like this unproven guy in midfield. Okay, he but he played seven minutes there and then moved back to right back. But just interesting the way Freddie sees things that he want he wants all his players to sort of like play every position really, so they're comfortable everywhere. Yeah, it's an it's an odd one because the the entire lineup seems lopsided. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. Gignac is, is of course one and I think you're quite right because he's more of a penalty box kind of forward he's not someone mm-hmm. who really is good at dropping back and I almost wonder if it would have been better to play Anna Valencia on a number 10 spot because Anna Valencia has that uh, ability to come with speed right and the, the other odd one I thought was Jürgen Damm uh, yes are we ever going to become Jürgen Damm fans on this part <sighs> I don't I don't know. I mean, he didn't really do much again in this game to prove it otherwise. <laughs> just such a such an enigma of a player. He's just he's very quick, and that's about it. I mean, this game he was he was better than he was in the last game where he was just frustrating me, God knows how many times. But it just again his decision making isn't great. And you've got Edu Vargas sitting on the bench, and you're just thinking, okay, Vargas is it in great form, but he brings so much more to the team than Dan. Mm. Yeah. Especially right now, because Jung Dam hasn't yeah. really brought much to the team, period. And I, I think, you know, what's really interesting when you look at the opposite lineup, yes, it's, it's, it was a, essentially a 5 3 2, right? Yes. Um, yeah. But it wasn't hugely experimental in a way. And you had the, you know, you have the usual subject, subject in the, in this lineup and, um, going with Yunus Mori and Hordado up front, you know, the, Usual subjects, uh, suspects yeah. more or less, and I, I, Mohammed maybe got this one just more right, you know, just to say, okay, well, solid performance. We essentially only need a point and have this, and that's ex- you know they got the win, but you know essentially they they just put in such a solid performance that there was really never really any worry about this game for them. Yeah, I mean they they never looked they all just looked comfortable the entire game really never looked like unruffled at all not bothered by Tigre they were hit, hitting them on like the counter attack time and time again just that pace they've got up front and they I think he was able to rest Pavon on the bench who is probably just as good as Funes Mori so it sort of shows that strength and depth they've got and when the those I think probably Pavon's probably rested again in, for the Ligia but when those four of Hurtado Mori Pavon and Sanchez are all playing together I mean that's a, probably as good as Tigre's front four if not at, at this moment in time better it's just a terrifying prospect mm, yeah Monterey is I mean it's hard to look beyond them but um, Oli you probably know this ball possession stats for Monterey 39% yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I mean it's probably just from what and in going back to the 5-3-2 as well I think it was last season it was when Monterey and Tigre were playing the Ligia and Tigre got past them I can't remember if it was the Apertura or Closera I'd have to check that but I think I think it was Mohammed tried to match Ferretti like his style and got it completely wrong. So obviously he sort of worked on that, and over time is now 
effectively he'd been bettered threatening this guy, he'd be out tacticed him to use that word. That's a yeah, I like that. Definitely gonna steal that <laughs> for the podcasts and the <laughs> articles and all that. But you know, it it's true because they basically say stayed true to their formation and true to the way they were have been playing all season because we have been mentioning for quite some time now on this podcast how ball possession seems to be dead as a statistic. Yeah. Right? And Monterey are such a good example for it because they basically won the regular season. And I don't think has there been a game where we talked about Monterey where we said, Wow, look at that, they put they had they had more ball possession. I don't I can't really recall one. And um it's really interesting how they've sort of made a science out of that and really turned around, you know, this principle that if you have the ball, you're going to win games. It's really just become, it's not about how how often you have the ball. It's basically what you do with the ball. And, and that brings me to really things like, you know, total shots, shots on target and all that. They, they were completely, they were leading auto statistics, which means that, you know, when they had the ball, and you could see that in the game, they were very efficient going forward and they would always be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, there's so many times, especially in the first half, that they they get the ball, they move it so quickly and they're just happy to just pepper shots at Guzman's goal. I mean, so, I mean, they made some quite good saves in the first half. I mean, they were lucky it was nil nil at half time, basically. And mm. I think, and I think, and they're tactically working for them as well. They scored the most goals in the regular season, could see the least amount of goals. I mean, but I think at the same time, I think let's look at some of their scores. This maybe against in the lesser teams like you think against Puebla, Lobos, maybe even Veracruz to an extent. You think maybe teams like that are going to be aren't going to press them, and sorry, aren't going to press, but aren't going to like have the ball as much as them. They're going to allow Monterey to have the ball, or maybe they struggle slightly a bit more. Even like I think a few of their away performances, lost to Lobos, lost to Puebla, drew away at Querétaro. I think maybe there is a sort of an issue that when I, I don't know the possession stats for that, but it, it possibly could be that when te- other teams allow them to have the ball, they're maybe not as good. They're mm. better pl- sw- playing swiftly on the counter attack with those like pacey players they've got. Yeah, and there's definitely a case for 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 that. I would say, and it would be interesting to see. Um, of course, we're going to talk about playoffs and predictions, but Monterey are playing uh, eighth place Atlas, so it will yes. be interesting to see how they're going to handle that. Um, but I want to leave the actual fixtures to the very end of this podcast because we, have, I think, we'll have a lot to say about those individual fixtures. Um, quickly, Tigris, do you think this is going to hurt them going into the playoffs? I think it will. Yeah, I think this was. If it had come out of this with a draw, I think I, th- I feel like Freddie would have been happy with second. I think for the, I don't think first second would have mattered that much, but it's just the fact of losing it and just putting in that performance they did, and then knowing like, okay, they've got to really up it now. I mean, they've got Leon coming up, who are again quite they're a good counter attacking side as well. They're quick with the ball, but it's just losing to your main rivals in that last game and putting in a poor performance and Monterey make it look so easy that. If it does come to it and they meet in the final, that's definitely going to weigh on their minds. Yeah, yeah, interesting, really interesting times. I think it'd be interesting to follow. Um, we have seen, I guess, so many times that Tigers kind of fall flat a little bit in in playoff games. So I think it's an interesting one to follow. But I want to talk about the two teams that finish behind the two big Monterey clubs and um, start perhaps with. Morelia, um, and the fact that they eliminated Nicaxa right on Saturday night Mexico yes. time. Um, it was early Sunday morning for us because <laughs> I'm in Europe, which is horrible to watch the Mexican football. By the way, I need to point that out here. Um, Manu, Manu finally, finally understands oh, what me and Bryce have been going through. Finally, <laughs> understand the pain. Yes, um, but yes, this was very early Sunday morning. So my time. Um, but this game was ahead of the Club America game. And I thought, Morelia, what is going on with them? <laughs> because it's, it's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the right term for it. Because remember, I, I can't point this out often enough. They were one minute away from being relegated last season. <laughs> and uh, it's just a total turnaround now. You, you, you look at the relegation uh, table now; they're like seventh in it. They're, they're not in danger of being relegated for like probably two seasons now. It's like that. 
like one minute has changed so much. Finished fourth this season comfortably inside the playoffs. And if, I've got to give credit to Hernandez. They, it's not. This is almost an identical squad. They've made two signings. They signed Guzman from Leon, the right back, who's been good, and Sepulveda from Croatoro, who hasn't been that good. Apart from that, it's exactly the same side, and he's just got even more out of them. I think it's aided by Sosa in goal just being remarkable. But you've got to give amazing credit to Hernandez. This team that was like a year ago, basically people were predicting to go down. I could be. I just maybe one of the dark horses for the whole title. Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. I think so too, because it's the way they've been playing. And I mean, they, they've been playing with that um, tenacity already yeah. last, the, 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 the clausura last season, because that was the, they basically had to make the playoffs last year to stay in the league. So they've been on playing on playoff football for, you know, basically an entire year already now since since last January. And um I think that's really I think that's something that really aids you. And the the other thing is um you mentioned the keeper. But um they have they have a proven goal scorer in Ruidas, right? Who's just made the World Cup with Peru, by the way, as well. Yeah. Um a very fascinating player. Um sadly maybe a bit too old to be in contention for Although, you know, 27, maybe, you know, some European team would take a chance on him. But he's a proven goal scorer, and he's been a proven goal scorer now for an entire calendar year as well. He really and, has, yeah. And he scored again on the weekend. You know, this was, yeah. his, this was his ninth goal in 17 games. Um, that's, that's fantastic. So I think that is something that they have. And um, when, you, when you look at it, the way they're playing, their entire system is, is set up on that. Of course, there's a danger with that, playing... Um, on on a, using that natural number nine up front, um, there's a danger in that. But at the same time, I I think that you know he's such a good player that it works for them and it works really well. This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It really does, yeah. I mean, he's sort of gone on like a mini drought by his standards. He hadn't scored for four games. I think it's good for mm-hmm. him to get a goal, go into Ligia, get that confidence again. And for Monaco to go in there for a win as well. I think it's also good to, good to point out that they won this game without Diego Valdez attacking midfield, who's been... I mean, he started slowly, but it's past like months and a bit now. He's really like upped his game to what we know he can do that he was doing last season. And when he comes back, like playing off Rui Diaz, those two linking together are really impressive this is what you're going back to saying about again Rui Diaz again like he's been scoring goals okay in the previous league for like he was scoring them for fun for about a few years and you think okay a 26 year old coming from Peru how's he going to go first season 20 and 32 9 and 15 I mean it's a, quite a ridiculous record for a player like that mm-hmm. yeah I mean, he's a fascinating player I mean he's yeah. going to the World Cup you know that's um, I know that's still there's still an entire clausura to be played until then so uh, as we say in Munich a lot of water is going to flow down the Isar Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think there there is a very good player there, and I I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him at the end of the full season because yeah. I I certainly think there's a market for him. Um, I can think of a number of teams who are looking for a proven goal scorer, and um, Mexic the Mexican league is is a good league. I think you can go from Mexico to Europe, and you can do well. 
So that it's an interesting one. And I, of course, it will be interesting to see how they do in the playoffs this year. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. they got that home advantage now in the second leg, right? In the, yes. in the, in the first, in the first round. So that's obviously, uh, something that's going to help them. And, but what's even more interesting, and this is why I, I kind of switched topics a little bit. I wanted to talk about America originally first, but I feel like we needed to talk about this game first because they put a lot of pressure on Club America to mm -hmm. win their last game um, of the regular season because essentially if they hadn't, then uh, it would have been Morelia who finished for third, which is, yeah. I mean, local because that's that's crazy. You know, they could <laughs> Morelia could have gone from a relegation candidate to finishing third ahead of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, that put a lot of pressure on Club America. And of course, they got their job done against Santos Laguna. And a game that's, wasn't overly exciting. I guess could we just put that down as job done? Um, you know, they knew what they had to do, so they got it done. I think so. Yeah, they're sort of like they were able to basically everyone had played before them. They saw okay, if we win this, we can get into third, and we know they they we will play cruisers all. And they sort of just got about their job, got the one nil win, got out of there. I think it's like it's, you can't really say much more about it. They they did what they need to do to secure third place. What do you make of Miguel Herrera's side? I'm I'm a bit concerned about them. You know, there was a spell, I would say two or three weeks ago, where I would have said, okay, well, this this team could go all the way, maybe even maybe this large Monterey from first place. Uh, it's kind of funny because we talked about them going into this season that this is going to be a transitional year, and that things are changing, and they brought in the new coach, and they're going to kind of rebuild and. Um, you started in the beginning a little bit where they, they hit a few road bumps and then all of a sudden they were winning games. And then towards the end of the upper tour, they kind of, it kind of went back to where they were in the beginning. So what do you make of that? It's, it's yeah, it's weird. They sort of like petered out a little bit. I think the final like three games, I think lost at home, the Caxa away at Monterey, uh, Monterey drew with Puebla and then just beat, uh, Santos Laguna, so it's a bit, yeah, it's a, they're a bit of an odd sight. Like they can be really good and just really impressive and just very solid. I think that's what Herrera teams are. They are, they, they may not be like that, like, that outlandish, but they will like grind you down eventually get the win. So, and especially who they're playing, they're playing their massive, well, their, maybe not my massive rivals, their second biggest rivals, Cruisers, all in the playoffs. It's going to be mm. an interesting one to see how it goes. I think, and the way obviously Herrera is as well playing his. He always sticks with his five at the back, so maybe he's not getting the best out of them playing like that, but that is just the style he likes to play. I was going to just ask you about that. Because yeah. <laughs> five four one. That's a huge culture change for Club America. You know, because remember when they had Benedetto? And yeah. they would play always Benedetto and Peralta up front, sometimes even with three full strikers up front. And of course, Benedetto is been scoring like crazy down in Argentina. He, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he ripped his ACL this weekend, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is um, not a great story. But, you know, it that was always... The, when I watch CONCACAF, because we get a lot of CONCACAF Champions League in, in Canada on television, yeah. that's the first thing that stood out for me was that Club America would always play with two or three real forwards. And mm -hmm. I feel like Herrera is kind of this going against the culture of the club there a little bit. He is slightly. I mean, he's, he's tried playing Peralta and Romero on a few occasions this season, and I, they haven't really seemed to work. I mean, there's very occasions they look decent together, but I guess it's just the way Herrera sets up that two forwards just don't suit it. I mean, I mean, speaking about the cult shock, they, the, the five for one they played against Santos Laguna, they didn't play with any, any wingers. They had Guido like holding Uribe and William just in front of them and Quintero like playing off Peralta. So it's an unbelievably narrow site and it puts so much uh, narrow sort of formation. It puts so much pressure on the wing backs to really bomb forward. It's just, you think America fans have been used to this two up front, maybe quite expansive football. I can't say from like years and years ago, but it's, it will take time to like adjust and they're sort of slowly getting it right. But there are times where you just think there's, there's a, there's something there that like, someone who know who can like bring it out of them better can like really exploit it. And it's just interesting to watch. It's like maybe the, 
he does like a five four one five three two occasionally, but if you just go to like a four three three, and this could be um, such a better side to 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 a watch. Yeah, it's almost like he's limiting them, putting them, is, ch- yeah. putting chains on the side. Yeah, and that's I don't know. The other thing that I'm I'm a little bit worried about, and this is something that I've noticed in recent weeks too. We talked about Diego Linus on our last podcast and what an mm-hmm. amazing talent he is, but um, I get that the kid is young. You know, but he's not playing an awful lot right now. He's always coming on in the seventy-fourth minute, and um, yes, I get it. He's young. He's eighteen now, right? So yeah, well, not even eighteen. He's still seventeen, I believe. Still seventeen, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's still seventeen. So he's an underager. He's not. Um, that's why probably why he's still in Mexico. But he's not allowed to go abroad yet. Um, yeah, but I I almost wonder if he's getting enough playing time. Yeah, it's a different one because whenever he does play, he just does look so good. And you think, even with you being 17, you're clearly like a, a class individual that can just make things happen. And I can, you can, can, you can go for the other people. You can see why Herrera is going to be a bit protective of him. He's only 17. This is probably what his first full season. So he's going to not want to like use him every single game. But he's only, he's only made one, two maybe seven starts this season. I'm not sure how many of them are in the league, but a few of them are in the cup. And again, he's been off the bench four or five times as well. So I mean, for a 17 year old, it's probably decent game time, but then you just got to think, well, this is such a talented youngster that for him to progress, he probably needs to be playing a bit more game time as well. So it's a tricky one with him. Yeah. He's played six games in total. Six games, yeah. yeah, and started to uh, average thirty-seven minutes a game. It's not a lot. That is, that is quite low, yeah. Yeah, so I almost it is a couple of things that you know when I I watch previous Club America sites and then compare it to this one, I, I'm, you know, I don't know. I just I don't think it's quite there there yet mm-hmm. for them, and yeah, it's it's an interesting one to follow because. Obviously, they they finished third, but I think that there's such a gap between the two Monterey sides and them. And even this will sound really odd, but Mont- Morelia finished below them, but yet I can see Morelia more likely to surprise us because they have that X factor. Yes, yeah. I can't really see Monterey get past one of the two big sides. No, I agree. Yeah, you look at. Uh, Marcus just have sort of players who can just do things. You've got Sosa who can put in ridiculous performances and you've got Rui Diaz who on his day can just create chance out of nothing and score too. You look you look at the through the Club, Club America side, I mean up front, I mean Peralta is thirty three, maybe, but in midfield, probably their best midfielder is Rodriguez, but he's the holding midfielder. The only X Factor player in that midfield is obviously Lyons. In defence it's all solid and okay, Marcus seems a very good goalkeeper, but you think if it really comes to it and they need to pull something like out of the bag, you look at it and think, what player is going to do it? And there's none that jump out at you. Mm. Yeah. That, well, that's exactly it. Yeah. It used to be their forward line, you know, Peralta, Romero, Benedetto, they would, they would scare people, but yeah, it's just not there. So it really isn't. No, but it's the Ligo Ila. Maybe, maybe they're going to um, surprise us a little bit. And Any, anything can happen. So. Any, anything <laughs> does can happen. It's only a home and away, and you know, one one yellow red card um, it changes the entire complexion of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's really my cue because red cards <laughs> that that brings us to uh, Cruz Azul against Vera Cruz. And uh, <laughs> Cruz Azul, <laughs> we're both laughing because everyone knows what's coming. Um, <laughs> yes, Cruz Azul did get the job done. La Machina is back in the Liguela. And I, I think that is um, fantastic news because they've been basically playing home and away football kind of all season, you know, getting these like really narrow results that um, kind of go their way. The seven wins, six draws, four defeats, uh, goal differential of 22 to 22. So, you know, I feel like they were the they're the kind of team that will do actually quite well in the playoffs because they're just playing that kind of football all season long. Yeah. So yeah, they had Veracruz and uh, Veracruz managed two red cards in this game. Um, welcome to Mexico, I would say. Uh, <laughs> and they were like in the final few minutes as well. 
which I think I think I was watching the game uh, recorded today, and the first red card was I think that the player had already been booked for like basically the throwing didn't go his way, so he basically got him screamed at the, like the uh, assistant, and the ref was like, "What are you doing? Yellow card!" So throwing comes in, and Mendes in the corner tries to do a little flick over him, and he just elbows him in the head. It's it's just like I mean, it's the 89th minute. Okay, you might be a bit like annoyed, but it's just insane <laughs> to do that. And then the second one came after the final whistle for just like, again, just abusing the official. It's like just Gregory's completely lost their heads at the end. And you know what? This is, this is crazy stuff because we had a referee strike just a year ago. Yeah. Well, well no, not even a year ago. Six months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, March, actually right? it was. Yeah, it was, yes. And for things like that, because like altercations, um, disputes with the referee and, um, you know, that kind of stuff could lead to long suspensions and I feel like kind of have to go away from the the uh, Liguela for just a moment here because Veracruz they're in deep trouble they're, they're last in that relegation zone right yeah. um, qu- quick explainer relegation of course is the full the last full three seasons um, and when I look at the point average over the last full three seasons they had 1.0353. So they have been averaging a point over the last three years, more or less. And that's significant less than um, 17th place team, the 17th place team in the standings, uh, Carataro, who are at 1.1294, right? And I could see Carataro having a good season um, simply because the money is there. You can mm-hmm. see them having a good clausura. Uh, Puebla is then the next team up, right? But they are, Puebla is at 1.18. Uh, you know, I can't see um, Veracruz in 17 games making up a point difference of essentially 0.1 points yeah. for 17 games. It's a lot, right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot when you look at it, but um, it is quite substantial. Actually, we, we're lucky because... Puebla and they have played the same amount of games, right? They all have, yeah, apart from Lobos and Nakaxa, but Nakaxa are fine. Yeah, so they, they are very cruise, uh, 13 points behind Puebla. That's a lot to make up. Yeah, and even like they're eight behind Querétaro, and I think if Querétaro, like they got 16 points in this apertura, say they get 16 points again, Veracruz are going to have to get 24. You think, how on earth are they going to win? I think 24 that's at least what six mm. or seven wins and that's... they ended the and they ended, they ended their last six games i think with like one point from them it's like how are they going to turn this around it's just it's not going to happen for them and yeah. they're, they're only sorry go on yeah sorry no i was just thinking they basically have to do what morelia did last year they really do yeah unless and but their only saving grace is if lobos have a pretty bad Coursera. but i mean lobos are just gonna do whatever lobos do so <laughs> Well, and Lobos are on, I believe they are on that magic 23 points. They are, yes. And let's say, I mean, something has to, I don't know if my on-the-fly math skills are good enough yeah. to calculate <laughs> what, what would have to happen. Um, but essentially... They probably, so, so they'll play another 17 games, so it'll be 34 divided by whatever many points you get in the Coursera. Say they even get like 15 points, that's what, enough. 38 divided by 34 is probably over one that's probably over 1.03 so it's like they have to get maybe 13 15 points to pretty much be on average with Veracruz and you'd, you'd think with the team Lobos have and some potential transfers that could come in they probably are going to be alright yeah I think that Veracruz are in deep trouble because I think they will have to be looking to the likes of Kertaro Puebla and Atlas ahead of them yeah and those teams are not going to get the uh, very few amount of points that Veracruz needs them to get. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't see Veracruz becoming all of a sudden a playoff contender. No, it's just, um, yeah, not there. But it's it's an interesting because we are now with the with the uh, upper tour done and dusted. Um, it's it's something that we can finally chat about right yeah the, the moment we get past christmas and we get into the second half of the season that relegation battle is all of a sudden becoming important because at the end of the full season 
team a one team will be relegated and will be likely Veracruz. so yeah it's it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow Definitely. but um for for Veracruz's opponent Cruz Azul they're back in the playoffs uh sixth place finish that's solid I mean that's you know we kind of thought they would scrape in um but sixth place that's that's a solid finish to the to the half season yeah they'll have to take that I mean the pressure, the pressure Hemmer's been under this aperture has just been monumental. It's just like every other, every game they seem to lose or not win. There is just like people calling for his head, asking him to go. I mean, it seems like the uh, ex-Rangers manager Kashina has already been like lined up prior to the end, prior to even if they make the gear or not. So, and to still do that with the amount of pressure getting into their gear, I think it's three years which is a hell of a long time for a side as big as Cruz to get into it so mm-hmm. absolute massive relief and if you just see it in the celebrations at the end of the match the players knew how much this meant to probably Hemes the fans just that just everyone it's just a big needed relief to sort of get that little bit of pressure off him for at least a few games at least <laughs> yeah and I, I you know what I think that Cruz will uh have a funny feeling about them against Club America I think they could get the result necessary, you know, home and away. But we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about Liguella in just a moment because that's yeah. uh, something that I want to keep a little bit separate. <laughs> One team that did surprise me on this match day, uh, actually two teams surprised me, and that's that's the next game I want to talk about. That's Leon against Chivas, and yes. the reason why I'm surprised is because the team that I would that I thought would easily win this game easily lost this game, and the team that's been shockingly kind of depressing me for this entire apertura won this game 2-0 what happened to Jeevas they're back last day of the Uh, season everything is done and dusted and they're playing the football that we all kind of expected them they would play it's very weird yeah there's something like I mean it was even they put out quite a weak side I mean Almeida rested Cotter because he's heading back to Pachuca the two main central defenders Prera and Alanis didn't play mm-hmm. a couple of other strikers have played they started with the youngster Macias up front and they were just really really good I mean it was very, I mean another day Leon score about four or five goals Baselli had an absolute stinker I mean <laughs> he missed um, he missed like a one-on-one he missed an open goal header and he missed at least two more like very very Baselli like chances that he should put away it was just a complete off day for him but, but apart from it Leon just looked a bit a little bit sluggish really they haven't they've ended the season I mean I say they ended the aperture quite badly but they did beat Veracruz 6-2 in their last home game but losing away at Tijuana and now losing at home to the Chivas is not ideal preparation when your next game when your next game is against Tigre it's it just a bit I mean they, they have got a substantial amount of injuries to be fair like four four defenders are out a couple of midfielders and a couple of like backup strikers are out so that doesn't exactly help but even so you can't put in a performance that was a bit just a bit a bit weak against Chivas who have been very underwhelming yeah very underwhelming is right I mean we talked about it on our last part how they may be the biggest disappointment because and and just the fact that they really are kind of stuck in their own philosophy of not signing foreigners and um yeah then they play a whole bunch of young kids and they get the result um, yeah. for leon of course this is this is bad because as you mentioned uh, a couple of games now that haven't been convincing and it's so much about momentum in going into playoff football and mm-hmm. um i just worry about that because you know a result here let's say they win this game they finished fifth. Yeah, that's it, it. It makes a difference. It just makes a yeah. difference. You you go from playing Tigre to playing Morelia. Okay, Monarchs are still a strong side, but Leon would just fancy their chances just so much more now. Yeah, well, and Tigres. I mean, this this game actually this is this is this game is going to be a great one. Uh, we'll we'll talk about why in a moment. But I think mm-hmm. you know that, that that's a real opportunity lost for them and. Um, I'm pretty sure Leon are gonna think, oh, well, this is, this isn't great. But you know, we look at their overall statistic. They've been on and off for this entire for this entire um, opening season. They yeah. won they won eight, they drew two, and they lost seven. I mean, this is this is a team that's 
consistency is not in the name. It's not at all. No, I mean, they started pretty badly under Torrente, and then eventually went after about six, seven games. I think they'd like one, yeah. either one, two, drawn one, lost four, or something like that. And then Diaz came in, they won like five in a row, I think. And then they, then they just dropped off again. It's just sort of gone like they won, and their, their final five games, they picked up four points. It's just very, very bizarre. And if they're in that sort of that rut at the moment now where they're not playing well and sort of not picking up points, going to Ligia where it's, you've got these one off matches, you need to be form matters so much people going into it just thinking that you're a bit you're very flat and I also like to add Baselli not just based on this game but his past seven games he's, he's scored three goals but two of them have been penalties he's only scored one goal out of his last three in the last seven games that, that hasn't been from the spot so he's not going into it maybe with the greatest of form and he's such a mm. unbelievably important player to them probably not as much as uh, Elias but when your main talisman is in a is in a right rut again it just affects the whole side that normally Leon can count on Baselli to score goals and if he's not doing that it doesn't bring a lot to the team yeah it's it's a difficult one it is a really difficult one so yeah maybe one to to, to follow I mean mm-hmm. we'll talk about it in a moment when we when we're going to talk about the um the playoffs but one team one team that potentially put in a real stinker is Atlas um, very last minute equalizer that they conceded to Pachuca and we thought that that could really really hurt Atlas because in a sense they were sitting on hot coals all of Saturday waiting to see whether or not the draw would be enough and uh, I mean thankfully for them Morelia got the job done against Nikaxa, but mm-hmm. it's it's one of those really dramatic games where look at that. I mean, here we are. We basically made it, and then we're gonna concede a last minute goal um, by Robert Herrera to make it one one, and um, all of a sudden you have an entire weekend. I bet you none of those players were watching any games. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it's uh, it's a tough one, but you know Atlas Atlas made it. They finished eighth. They did. Uh, they... So yeah, it, I I guess that's they salvaged the season quite a bit in the end, didn't they? Just about, yeah. You think Cruz was again another manager under pressure, of course, in Mexico when the manager's not under pressure, but they were. It's, the side they've got is not that bad it does help now Rafa Marquez returning who's just been the four games he's played just been ridiculously good just like it's mm-hmm. like he's never been away he just slips uh, slips sorry he slots into that midfield just so well at like 38 years old he's just it's like mesmerizing to watch at times how good a player he is like his assist for the uh, Maduena's goal at the weekend was just lovely a lovely sort of like clip ball forward it just it just took out the entire defence and left Maduena for a free header but yeah, I mean, cru- at the cruise, uh, Atlas did need did need this. I mean, that was heart for me. I mean, I was willing Atlas to win, and it was a bit a bit heartbreaking when that goal went in the end, thinking mm-hmm. they'd blown it. The it was it got to like the ninety second minute. The fans were all up. They were like they were just waiting for the referee, the final to, to blow, and then just a little bit of poor goalkeeping, then basically attacking from home. It just sort of just you just go flat, and you got to think, oh god, now we're banking on. Monarchos to beat Nicaxa, which they eventually did, but yeah, it could not have been a nice 24 hours for them. Yeah. Well, it's exactly the kind of trauma we were hoping for. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were saying that we will have teams. I, I don't understand why they don't have all the games at the same time, but and they do for they do for the final day of, I think, the Clausura. So it's kind of odd that they don't do it for the Apertura, but they do it for the Clausura. Maybe it's because relegation is thrown into the mix. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess Atlas made it and it's, it's good for them too that they made it because we, I remember talk about possibly relegation right around the time of the, uh, Rafa Marcus, uh, drug cartel scandal, right? So. Yes. That that cloud has lifted, as we really well explained just a moment ago. That doesn't seem to be an issue for them at all at the moment. I don't think relegation is going to going to be something that they have to worry about. And I think maybe this is actually 
given everything, uh, even if there's a potential early playoff exit in there. Um, I think this is a half season that they can actually build on. Um, of course, depending on what's going to happen with Marcus. Yeah, it's an interesting one. If, if he has to be like hauled back into court or he has to come and testify or whatever, that losing him again is just going to be so pivotal. Like, just in the like, send these four games, the difference he's made. I think they drew, drew, won and drew. Okay, okay they didn't lose any games. Uh, only won one of them. But it's just such a big player for them. It must be like in the dressing room, having someone like him around just really must motivate you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. So they're in, but that brings us to the playoffs. But I don't want to talk about the playoffs just yet. Uh, I have a question for you, actually. The biggest disappointment of this half season. And <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I listed three teams right from the get-go. Um, the, the teams, of course, that missed out. Nikaxa, Tijuana, Chivas, maybe Pachuca as well. Um, maybe listing Nikaxa in there is maybe not quite that fair because it was really on the final day of the season. But the other teams, can we say that they're really disappointed? Uh, maybe Puma's disappointed because they were just, mm. I think, just so much worse than everyone thought they were going to be. They yeah. were just, they, I mean, they, they must be just so glad that this half season is over. They can sort of just go again in January sort of puts out their mind because they were just awful to watch. Not not good for them at all. I think the others, Veracruz, Croatara, Puebla, 15th to 17th, well, I don't think any else were expecting them to make any charge. Maybe Santos Laguna were a bit of a disappointment, but then, and Lobos, definitely not a disappointment. They've done much better than the others. And like you said, with Nakaxa, it's a bit harsh, but those teams at 11th, 12th and 13th, Tijuana, Pachuca and Chivas, I think all of them you'd think have disappointed for me i think it's tijuana who've disappointed mm. the most because they their team is really strong like especially going forward you've got gustavo boy bolanos malcora yeah. you've got you've got iturbe and then in midfield musto defense is strong it's like uh you can no wonder that the manager got sacked when I mean, you've got that team and you score 17 goals in 17 games and end up four points out outside the Ligia. Yeah, that was such an odd one for me because Tijuana, they had that really poor start, right? Yeah. And uh, it's Eduardo Cudet, the, the Argentine, yes, Cudet. who went in to replace Herrera at the beginning of the season. We kind of thought, well, he will just need time to get things going. And um, for, you know, in October, it seems like he did for a yeah. little bit. And then it just went, it fell off a cliff again. And then, you know, there was mutual agreement to for him to leave. And the uh, interim's coach, Diego Torres Ortiz, of course, came on October 31st. And it wasn't, you know, he took over them being 11th. And, you know, obviously in the two match days that he had, didn't really, didn't really make too much of a change uh, for them. But it's just with the squad that they had, I think they should have done better. And I think what was really odd is the, the way they did the transfer dealings is that um, they realized, I feel like they realized, um, boy, we lost Hurtado. We lost our head coach. We lost this guy. We lost that guy. Uh, we need to bring in players, but they didn't do it all at once. Like Itobu was signed, <clears throat> what, in early September? He was, uh, early September, end of August. Yeah, so quite yeah. Al already like a month into the season. Exactly, because the, the Liga MXI starts a lot earlier than the any of the European leagues. So yeah. I, I thought that was, that was a, yeah, that was not one for me, um, the transfer dealings. And, you know, you can't really expect too much if you go in with a patchwork team. But I guess there have been such a history of them finishing first in a in a bunch of regular seasons without winning a title and um, maybe this is the the rebuild and they didn't feel that the coach was the right coach for the rebuild so i would actually say they are one of the big disappointments pumas i've said everything that needs to be needed to be said about pumas i think <laughs> devastated devastating season for them uh, achievers mm, yeah i guess I just think with Chivas, if you're not going to sign anyone, what 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 are you going to expect, really? Yeah, well, I think I they mean, they banked on bringing in Vela, right? 
<laughs> yeah, and obviously he's now gone to uh, LA, hasn't he? Yeah. So, so. Yeah, they're kind of stuck in there in there in a politics too. I, I don't actually want them to change the politics because I feel like that the idea of playing just with Mexicans it's there's something noble about it and I'm sure mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be back. But yeah, um enough about disappointments and failures <laughs> because we got four amazing games to kind of look forward to. And let's start with the Monterey. Of course, the way it works, first place, eighth, second place, seventh. You you get the idea. Um, the first four teams have home advantage in the second leg and you carry your, the home adventures in the second leg all the way to the final, depending on how you, how you ended up in the standings. So we got Monterey against Atlas, Tigres versus Leon, America versus Cruz Azul, the Derby, of course, um, which is going to be fantastic. And Morelia versus Toluca. Monterey versus Atlas. Thoughts, Oli? You would think Monterey should walk this. You would think just how they've been, how Atlas just about squeaked into the screen in the end. I mean, I would personally feel like if Monterey should, if they want to, you can say they put down a marker beating Tigre, if they really want to show what what they how they're going to be, this this is the game to do it. And I I would I think they probably will be able to. Yeah, I would go along with that because. I was a little worried about Monterey and their performances going into the Liguela, and I was worried about, especially when I, after I saw the Santos Laguna score, mm-hmm. I, I was even worried that they could maybe lose it all and uh, Tigre could get get them and uh, take first spot. But I, but they they showed to me that when they needed to get the result, they did get it. You know, that they could just yes. strip off that complacency and say, okay, well, I guess we'll have to now actually put in some work and uh, get the job done. So they did exactly that. And I, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure Monterey are going to walk this game um, yeah. and, and go through. I think they, with Atlas, there's been so many issues on and off the field. And um, the, the, the way Atlas kind of scrapped into the playoffs in the end, can be a good thing, but they also didn't get the job done on the final day of the season. You know, they had to rely on others to get it done for them. Exactly, which, yeah. Which is not a good sign when you get into playoff football. So I guess no. we're, we're both in total agreement. Monterey will go through there. Yeah, I agree. It'd be interesting to see, just quickly, on Atlas, if, if Ravel and an Alastiza both start the next game, you think, mm. depending, is he going to stick with this 4-5-1 that Cruz has used for like the past sort of month or so now with Alistair being injured, but I, I, it'd be a bold move if he does go to up front, especially if, maybe in the home leg if he wants to. You'd think they're going to have to score goals because Monterey are going to. I think that's the only way Atlas I think going to win this. They're going to have to outscore Monterey, which is almost nigh on impossible. But I, you, you can't see them keeping a clean sheet, and they've, they've got a decent defence, but. Monterey just too good going forward. So yeah, as I said, as we said, Monterey for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's an easy one. The yeah. next one though, not going to be that easy. No. Tigers versus Leon, and uh, the reason for that is because there's quite a lot a lot of history between those two sides playing in the playoffs, and it's it's always been a bit of a shootout. So um, Leon, of course, projected to finish a little bit high up. In the standings, they kind of messed it up on the final day of the season. Tigris, although Tigris did as well, uh, not convincingly going into these playoffs. Um, I think what's on Tigris' side, though, is the fact that they have been basically shooting up the standings in yeah. in recent weeks. Like I would not have them projected finish second uh, four or five weeks ago. No Definitely way. not. And they did it. And, you know, they did it quite convincingly. Um, they they finished the season with 32 points, even though they lost the last game. They still finished two points ahead of Club America. So, I guess Tigres are slight favorites for this. Um, for this, maybe, maybe just I think Tigres just seem to have a knack of just they turn up in the Liga and speak a plan. Geniac just appears in the mm-hmm. Liga. He he just I think it was like in the Closera. He yeah. again had just poor Closera, and then all of a sudden. I think if I, he hit a, I think if they played Monterey in the 
quarterfinals, which they did, yeah. yeah. He scored, I think he scored four in two in, in those two games. Then I think scored in what scored in the final as well. Like he just, for the big games, I mean, it, it, it's easy to say big games, but he is a big game player. And when Tigre need to, they can turn to him and they've obviously got all their other star names they can turn to as well. And Leon, they just need to get back to how they're playing um, like a month, a month and a bit ago when they were just playing with such like tenacity and just were a ferocious side going forward who were just cutting through teams like a knife through butter. Mm, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's an interesting matchup. Yeah, it's, it, it's a tricky one to call. I, just because the pedigree Tigre have, I would make them slight favourites. Yeah, I would I would go along with that. I think there is yeah. a lot of excitement in this game, and um, I, th- I think it will be a fa- fascinating game to watch. Yes, but I do also think that um, Tigers will take this. Uh, of course, there's always the X factor in every playoffs. There is. Oh yes. So I guess that's that's the the one thing uh, to keep in mind. Now the next game, really excited about this Club America. Against Cruz Azul, we got we got the uh, Clásico Joven in the quarterfinal. Um, this is going to be a fascinating game. Really is. I mean, I think this is the this will be the third or fourth time that they would have met each other in the Apertura, if you include the uh, Copa Mex as well, which is quite bizarre. I think America have already beaten them twice so far, and obviously these two games against them may have a, a slight psychological advantage, but. I mean, I I find this one quite tricky to call now because I think Cruz are going to be buoyant after making the, uh, pardon me, making the uh, Ligia. Mm. And a few of their big players have hit some form again. I think Mendes has been, was poor for about a month. He's started coming to a bit of form. Mora, who, their striker, who has, I mean, he's somehow got nine goals, which has taken me a little bit by surprise. And I cover Cruz as all. So mm. <laughs> he, just, he just slowly amasses them, just like, he, he started relatively well, then had a period of a, that he wasn't great, and then he suddenly scored two in his last two. So he will be one. He'll probably be the man to watch for for um, Cruz against America. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think this is going to be very hard to call. Dar- Darby's mm-hmm. always um Yeah. And um, whew, I'm not convinced by Herrera, so... I'm going to do something really crazy, Ollie, and I'm going to say Cruz Azul are going to go through. Oh, that is a very big call. <laughs> I'm going to regret this on Sunday. <laughs> Seriously, it's like six in an aggregate or something, and Cruz just fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually it's, uh, I have to play Bryce's part, so I'll just play. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, gets us to the final game, Morelia versus Toluca. And I think this is actually going to be the most even and of course they finished yes. fourth and fifth but I do think um, that Morelia are the team that have the edge simply because they have been basically playing Ligoela football for Mimau an entire year <laughs> and um, they now have the experience of course from the the clausura last season they now yes. know what it means and they actually, for this time around, they got the home advantage in the second leg. And I think that's going to really benefit them. Yeah, I think it almost certainly will. I think the one in the Closera, they had Tijuana when Tijuana were good. They beat them in the first leg, lost 2-0 in the mm. second. But you think now they've just improved so much in like five months that against a Toluca side who they're, pro- they're, pro- they're a-, a solid side. Their only real star player is Sam Buesa. And if he doesn't, and he, if he doesn't turn up, Toluca don't really turn up. And yeah. you've got Monarchos, you look through that side. It's just a, a good, solid side. And you've got Sosa in goal. I think I've talked about him for God knows how long. Aculea in defence, Valdez in midfield, and Rui Diaz up front. It's just a good, you've got four real good quality players there. And I think I think what we're about to say, we would both back Morelia to get past Toluca. Yeah, I definitely would go along with that. Definitely, actually, because I, think, I simply think that they have more fire. In the game. They do, yes, yeah. and that's what you need in in these two quick matches. And, and I think this is, you know, we're sadly almost out of time, but you know, this is really the final point I want to make. They're playing these playoffs home and away yes. in a matter of four days. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their first leg 
first leg for so if you if you're back in North America Wednesday right and yes Wednesday and Thursday for us poor souls over here in Europe it will be very <laughs> early in the morning <laughs> um, I'm regretting this trip right now Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes it so much better when you awake at half four in the morning watching right <laughs> Tigre versus Leon <laughs> after you've been at the bar all night uh, oh, of course we will never do that we're professionals of course no, no. <laughs> I have to say that because I have to my job I will never go to a bar and then come home and work. <laughs> duly noted but anyways they're basically doing this these two games from Wednesday to um, Saturday, Sunday night their time which is just crazy crazy tight scheduling yeah and that adds a lot to the X factor in these games. So yeah, you will get to Luca Monaco's Thursday morning our time, Wednesday night over there, East Coast, West Coast. I'll let you find that out by just looking up on Google. Um, and then you get the games on Thursday: Cruz Azul against Club America and Atlas and Monterey. That will be either Thursday in North America, really early on, in, early on Friday morning if you're in Europe. And then the return games, Tigres Leon on Saturday, Sunday, of course, for us in Europe. And on Sunday, uh, Monterey against Atlas, Club America, Cruz Azul, North America time, and or Monday morning for us. Yes. We're going to be having a tight schedule, Ollie. Oh, There's a lot of good. football. I don't it's know. It's going to be great. It's going to be such good fun. Yeah, it's going to be good fun. And this is, this, this is the crazy part about this time of the season is yeah. how quick these games come because they don't, you know, it's not like Champions League where you have, I think the closest we do in Champions League is a week in between. Um, most of the time, home and away is two weeks, right? Yes. They get to see each other so quickly. Yeah. They basically just have enough time to jump on a, tr on a, on a, on a bus or on a plane to fly to the second leg um so that puts i think that will is an x factor that has to be is very important to understand um, because it sometimes you deal with elevation you deal with climate differences and uh, that will make these games uh, really fascinating so yeah that's it it's good, isn't it? it's really good <laughs> I, I think that's basically uh um thing that everyone should be doing if you listen to this podcast you know that's this is what you should be doing next weekend um we'll be obviously covering it as much as possible but ollie what have you been up to where can people find you um floor is yours uh, you can find me on twitter at fr football ollie f-u-t-b-o-l-o-l-l-y i'll of course be covering the legay this week i'll be i think i'm working overnight wednesday night which i believe they've actually released a schedule as well now mm. So on Thursday morning, uh, European time, Wednesday evening for North America, it will, I'll be watching Toluca versus Morelia and then Leon versus Tigre. And then I'll be doing the same again on the Saturday. But I'm also tempted to stay up on Thursday as well for the Classico at least. So that's just going to be exciting, like four days and then which will stretch into about two and a half weeks. Yeah. That's right, just before Christmas when it's over. Well, just for Christmas, yeah. <laughs> it's a Merry Christmas. I'm going to be at Christmas <laughs> markets and watching Mexican football. Who knew? Anyways, <laughs> I, I've been your host, uh, Manu Vef. You can find me on Twitter at Manuel Vef, uh, or you can follow all this content at Football Grad Live. We actually just had Raphael Honigstein on the Gegenpressing podcast. That podcast is out. It can be found on our ACAST channel at, uh, football grad network or it can be found on foosballstadt.com or on our at football grad live twitter account also um please go let us know if you have any questions about any of the pods that we do give us a shout um let us know criticism positive feedback whatever just a question even just let us know we're always happy to uh, do our best to answer it and uh, take in the feedback and of course, please give us a rating on iTunes. It uh, really helps us grow. Well, thank you very much, guys. Until next week. Bye-bye.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.